this podcast episode, we want to introduce you to our BCEN friend, Alice Benjamin. Come along as Michael Dexter and Holly Briggs talk with Alice about her career in nursing, which spans from the bedside to the boardroom to national media outlets. This episode is called My Way to Becoming Nurse Alice. Hello, and welcome to the BCN and Friends podcast, where we hold interesting conversations about learning with a range of thought leaders, BCN certification holders, and industry professionals. But most importantly, to create value and insight for you, our professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. We hope you find our discussions interesting, informative, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, and always valuable. I'm Holly Briggs, a professional development specialist at BCEN and one of your hosts for today. I am joined by my co-host, Michael Dexter, Director of Professional Development at BCEN. Hi, Michael. Hello, Holly. Good to be with you today. It's great to have you. In this episode of BCN and Friends, we have Nurse Alice Benjamin. Some of you may know her as America's Favorite Nurse or from her podcast, Ask Nurse Alice. If you haven't yet made her acquaintance, you are in for a treat as Nurse Alice is someone to get to know. Michael, can you please introduce us to our BCN friend, Alice? Yeah, I would be happy to. Nurse Alice Benjamin is a board certified family nurse practitioner, clinical nurse specialist, author, speaker, podcast host, and a nurse pioneer on TV as a medical correspondent. Her experiences range from cardiovascular health, critical care, and emergency medicine involving patient care at some of the most prestigious and underserved hospitals. As a medical correspondent for NBC Los Angeles, she was the nation's most watched nurse on TV who kept millions of viewers up to date with daily reporting during the COVID crisis. Spanning her career, Nurse Alice has appeared on numerous national shows, networks, and radio shows, including GMA3, Dr. Oz, The Doctors, CNN, HLN, Fox News, News Nation, TV One, BBC, and the list goes on. She also hosts the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, which we'll spend more time on during this episode. And her written health features have been published in Parent Magazine, Blavity, Huffington Post, Ebony, The American Nurse, Minority Nurse, and many more. She's also the founder and senior editor of AskNurseAlice.com, a trusted online health, wellness, and medical media outlet. Her mantra is that she likes to talk to people before they become her patients. And when she talks, people listen. Nurse Alice, welcome to the BCN and Friends podcast. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, well, we're super happy to have you. And you have a a very incredible career. And you have done a lot, a lot of things that I just mentioned there. But let's go back to the beginning. Tell us a little bit about what drove you to become a nurse, how you moved from a CNA to now a nurse practitioner, and just a little bit more about your nursing career. Yes. So my why, why did I become a nurse? Well, I am the eldest child in my family. And um, oftentimes as the eldest, we get duties put on us that are kind of like semi- junior parent type of duties in a sense. And my dad, who was retired military, once he retired, he had a whole host of medical conditions, but it was because when he was in the military, he was in the Navy. They, you know, they said, smoke them if you got them. So it actually promoted smoking behaviors. And so he picked that up. And then once he retired, even though he had, you know, great military retired insurance, he was dealing with high blood pressure, heart attacks, strokes, TIA, CHF, and a whole bunch of other things. And, you know, I'm just kind of budding high schooler, get entry into college, still trying to figure it out. And my dad said to me, because he would go to the hospital and I'd help my mom 
you know, kind of manage my siblings and stuff while she was away or just help my dad sometimes. And he said, you know what, Alice, you're going to be a great nurse one day. And I kind of thought, I want to be an accountant. I want to count money. I want money type of things. And I just didn't think about that. But I just kind of learned being around my dad and helping my mom and just learned more about what healthcare looks like and looking at what it should look like and what it shouldn't look like, I should say. Because there were some really great nurses and doctors and some you're like, eh, maybe you're not the person to be in this profession or maybe you're having a bad day or something. But long story short, I had those observations. And then one day, ultimately, my dad ended up going to the emergency room. And unfortunately, he died of a massive heart attack, actually sudden cardiac arrest. And I just recall the experience after that happened and the doctors came and talked to us, we didn't really understand the severity of his conditions and how possibly we could have changed the trajectory with minor lifestyle changes or how important it was to keep up with appointments and things like that. And I decided that day that I was going to become the best cardiac nurse in the world and help educate other people and families and patients so that they had the opportunity to make what seems like a minor lifestyle change that could help them live longer, happier, and healthier lives. So I set out to become a nurse and I was anything and everything cardiac, even if it was like for any even type of conferences, if there were conferences for physicians, I'm still going, I'm going to the conferences, learn how to read echocardiograms, you know, just um, I'm volunteering with the American Heart Association. I'm out there doing community health fairs, trying to get people to get their blood pressures checked and That kind of became some of my life's mission, my work. I loved working in the hospital. I worked everything cardiac from teledy, cardiac, thoracic ICU, the medical side, surgical side, everything I did. I just immersed myself in cardiac care. And with the work that I got to do with the American Heart Association in the communities, you know, people would come and I would educate them and do blood pressure screenings and things. And, um, you know, one day somebody said to me, hey, Alice, you know, you seem really good. People are coming by the booster, you know, more than ever participation that we've ever had. Would you mind coming on the radio and talking about how to be heart healthy during the holidays? And so to me as a nurse, that's an extension of patient education. So I started to do that. Then it was, hey, can you come back and talk about signs and symptoms of a stroke and what to do? And that was my entry into media because I've had this fabulous career as a nurse Again, starting as a CNA, I became an LVN, then I went and became an RN with associate's degree, then a bachelor's degree. Then I my first master's was as a cl- clinical nurse specialist, and then ultimately went back for a post-master's um, and became a family nurse practitioner. And throughout the journey, I've been able to do all this kind of patient education, media stuff along the side that complements nursing. But I've had a fabulous career as a nurse, getting to do the things that I'm most passionate about. So yeah, I could probably talk forever, but you know, that's kind of my journey and how I got to through my clinical side of it. And then how I was able to kind of have this complimentary media patient education side of it. Well, I did want to ask you a one quick follow-up on that. So you mentioned cardiac over and over again, but you also have your CEN. So tell us oh. about some, some of your ER work too. Yeah. So let me also say that, you know, we everyone's had experienced some type of trauma and you can imagine how traumatic it was for me to lose my father in the emergency room. So quite honestly, early in my career, I kind of had this hidden, had this fear of coming to the ER, not because I didn't want to work in the ER, but because it brought back traumatic memories. But in my journey, because we know uh, cardiac leading cause of death, heart disease and things like that, it's very important. But I, I actually kind of circled back 
uh, and came back to the ER. It just kind of haphazardly happened. You know, and when you work ICU, you can sometimes they cross trainer go down to the ER and help with some things. And I got some exposure to that. And I'm like, I don't really like this place. This is this is a place to be. I love the excitement. I loved the the different types of patients that would come in. Quite honestly, I actually I thrive in that work environment. Unlike the 612, 612, 612 administration of medications, which guys, I'm not knocking it, but in the ER, it's a lot, it's different. And I quickly came to realize that what kind of started me on my nursing career journey was actually the full circle of my journey because my dad died of a, you know in the ER. It was a place I was a, a little bit afraid to go to at first, but in all my experiences, it kind of brought me circle back to say, you know what? I now get to be a provider in the same environment where my dad died. And not saying that, well, I will say, with my dad's experience, we attributed some of that to lack of a, a, attentive healthcare providers, um, processes and systems that were broken. And now I get to work in the environment, have a say in how we can correct those systems so that when anyone walks into the emergency room, I now have a say so in how we, you know, the flow of things, getting their labs and tests started, their monitoring and things like that. But I've actually enjoyed thoroughly working in the ER. ER is a great place to be. I don't know if you guys, for people that are listening, if you've never worked in the ER, I have to say it is it's real life. I think of all the hospital, ER is the real life. You're going to get the babies. You're going to get grandma. You're going to get the person that fell. You're going to get the person that has the stab wound, the heart attack, the stroke, and everything in between. So going into the ER, I I feel was like one of the best decisions I could ever do, having had all that experience and background. Wow. It's so cool to hear how you figured out kind of early on this is what I want to do. And you set your mind, you set your goals to it. And then once you accomplish that goal, you took on something else and you took on something else. And just to hear you talk about just the experience of losing your dad in the ER and then be able to come full circle and be a part of solutions for other people's parents and grandparents and their children. It's just really, I mean, it, it gives me chills, honestly, just listening to how you turn what could have put you off of healthcare forever, never wanting to step into the hospital again to, no, I'm going to step in and I'm going to be a solution to a problem that I see. So that is really awesome. You did mention pretty briefly that you served as an ambassador for the American Heart Association and AARP, that you've spoken at health fairs and forums. You basically just rolled all of these things that you have a passion for and you've turned it into like community health education and becoming a voice for nursing in public health. But what made you say that I'm going to try to do that? Because I think that a lot of times as nurses, we're good with maybe like a one-on-one, you know, one-on-one education to patients, but to step up on a more public platform and to say, Hey, I'm going to educate you about preventative health, about things that you should be maybe monitoring more closely? Like what gave you kind of the confidence to step up to that next level of community education? Well, Holly, so it it was interesting. I had done some health events and, you know, it's as simple as going and checking blood pressures, doing some patient education. But at the time I was in San Diego, we had a lot of community leaders who had been having strokes and things like that. So, and I just thought to myself, golly, sometimes healthcare is one of those things like out of sight, out of mind. So if it's not impacting your direct family, your direct circle, people don't necessarily think about it. 
but we as nurses, we see it all the time. And I was kind of in this split world of community work and in the hospital. So I said, you know what? Unfortunate as these experiences are, and these leaders want to talk about healthcare and, you know, improve the system. I got to bridge it. I I need to bridge the gap between hospitals and healthcare providers and then the community because we know, and I feel this so much when we go in the ER, like when someone's discharged, I'm like praying and hoping that wishing that they're going to actually follow up with a primary care provider, or if they don't have one, that they're going to find a free clinic that they can go to so they don't end up back in the ER and something worse doesn't happen. So in, in San Diego, when I saw those community leaders having strokes, I actually reached out to the American Heart and American Stroke Association and said, you know, do you guys have any, like, we we have to, and this was kind of ballsy of me, I'll be honest too, because I actually reached up to their national office. I said, do you guys have programs or do you work with healthcare providers? Because I'm seeing, you know, all of this happen and I'd like to help. I want to be a solution because, you know, it's it's hard for me to watch this as a nurse being a healthcare provider and see this happen in the community. So I just said, you know, what can I do to help? And I told him the story. My dad died in the emergency room. I don't want to see, you know, people having these strokes and these heart attacks when, you know, for the most part, many of them are largely preventable or delayable with healthcare interventions. And so I connected immediately with the national office, just out of my passion because of my personal story. And they're like, we don't have enough nurse. We don't, we don't have many nurses who reach out to us. We have a couple doctors on our scientific committees and stuff like that, but no true boots on the ground healthcare providers who are wanting to do this, which I was shocked at because you think American Heart, like clearly there's lots of doctors and nurses that are working on this. It's the largest, it's the leading cause of death, but they're not. So at the time I was kind of given this free reign. They're like, well, here, Alice, what can we do? How can we help? So American Heart actually looked to me for direction. And it led to me being on committees that led other groups at ground level. And next thing I know, I'm the first nurse and health chair for their Western States division, which covers 10 states, impacts programs for 65 million people. And I'm making decisions and managing money that I just had no idea. I like, I legit did not know this is what I was getting into, but because I was really passionate about preventing these type of incidents, American Heart uh, and American Stroke Association, and even the work that I've done with ARP, they've embraced me. They actually don't have as many healthcare providers volunteering or helping or guiding them as we think. So I think that's a really a big opportunity, especially for nurses as the largest segment of the healthcare workforce. Well, I've got so many questions about that, but I will hold those for for the moment. But it's just really awesome to hear how you took this and it's just mushroomed out. And not only did you do that locally and then with the American Heart, American Stroke, but now you're doing like national TV, you're doing podcasts, you're doing all these things. You're you're pretty much the celebrity in the nursing world now. So, um, you know, you've been called America's favorite nurse uh, and you've been interviewed a lot. So did you ever think it would get to this level? And how just tell you know, as you talked us through your nursing path, and I'm if you could see her blushing right now, she is. But um, you talk, we talked through your nursing path, but now talk us through your nurse celebrity path. Like, how did you get to become such a news media outlet person? And I'm saying this, and I and, and I actually mean it in all sincerity, you're doing a lot of wonderful work around the nation with the education you're doing. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. So, you know, I get that question a lot. Well, how do you, you know, I, a lot of nurses, you know, I want to be a medical correspondent. How can I do that? And it's interesting because I'm like, I'm going to have to reverse engineer this because I did not set out to do this. I didn't know. I literally was following my passion. 
And, you know, the stars aligned and opportunities became available. And to me, I was just doing an extension of what we already do at the patient's bedside, patient education, using incorporating health literacy to make sure people can understand it, you know, incorporating teach back. So I make sure that whoever's listening can understand what I'm saying. And again, I, I entry into this was with the American Heart Association when they officially invited me to do radio and talk about how to be heart healthy during the holidays, symptoms of a stroke. And then I started just coming back and talking about different chronic medical conditions like diabetes and stuff like that. And then as if people are not aware in the entertainment industry, the media industry, producers and bookers and everyone behind the scenes, they move around. And as they move around, I guess my name kind of traveled with them. And at the same time, this was the time when blogging just started. So I started blogging you know, for free. I was volunteering my time, guys. So just to bust anyone's bubble, if you think, you know, it was big dollars at first, it was not, but I was volunteering health pieces to different outlets and blogs and stuff like that to kind of get out there. And who knew I was ahead of my time, but that was enhancing my digital footprint and getting my name out there. And then it led into like short videos and vlogging and things like that. And I kept doing my work with American Heart. I was doing work with AARP and around the time of health exchanges, a ARP sent me for an um, immersive training in Washington, D.C. to learn the Affordable Care Act. So I knew it inside and out. I came back to California and all the different congressmen and congresswomen wanted me at their town halls to kind of be that the health person to represent the significance of having health care insurance as they were getting ready to open these state exchanges. So I started it was an interesting mix of health, politics and media. And it was kind of like this perfect storm. And then my name started traveling and with the digital footprint, people started to look for me. And it was, it was amazing because I just was not prepared. I didn't have a manager, don't have an agent, don't have none of that stuff that we think Hollywood's about. I legit was just doing patient education. And so I got a little overwhelmed and I thought, mm, I better know what I'm doing. So I actually took some journalism classes, some media and some marketing classes, just like when you go to, like, let's say I, I'm a travel nurse and I'm going to work at a different ER. I've worked in ER. I know the gist of it, but where's your med room? Where's your break room? Where's a crash cart? So I just kind of learned to navigate the space. And by this time I'm well into my APRN role. So as a clinical nurse specialist, and then shortly after nurse practitioner. So it was one thing to do it as a nurse, but then also now to be in an APRN role with the authority of being able to diagnose, treat and all that. It gave me um, the credibility to do it. And then all of a sudden I'm just all over the place. I'm next, I'm down Dr. Oz. I'm on the doctors. And I don't even know if I answered the question because I really didn't plan for any of it, but it's been an amazing journey. And one that's been very fulfilling because I get a lot of patient comments that say, you know, thanks so much. You know, we heard you talk about mammograms and this and that. And we took my mom and they found something and now she's getting treated, but had we not seen that we wouldn't have known. So it's really, really rewarding that anything that I say, it's patient education literally at the highest magnitude because now I can um, educate the masses. Man, that sounds like quite a journey you didn't know you were going to be on. I also just appreciated how you said, I recognized like I had a knowledge gap when it came to understanding media, understanding politics. So I took some classes, I got educated and I think sometimes as nurses, we forget we can still acquire knowledge. We are not finished yet. And so as we progress on our journey and, and throughout our career, we should be continually seeing like, oh, okay, well, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. I don't know much about it. Let me go find out about it because 
again, you're just, you're turning these opportunities. You're not having to say no, because now you have the knowledge to say yes to it. So I think that is really awesome as a podcast host for Ask Nurse Alice and through your media exposure, TV, radio, online platforms, you get a chance to converse and connect with a lot of interesting, talented, and probably very unique people across the healthcare spectrum. Uh, what is a moment, perhaps an interview, or just a connection that you made that really impacted you? I think probably one of my most favorite interviews was with Dr. Fauci. During what what I can say is probably the, the peak of the pandemic. You know, we saw him on television doing, you know, talking a lot. And then you would see different specialists and providers on television. And, you know, I was very proud to do it with NBC as a nurse and it was great. But then, you know, you saw all these other interviews with Dr. Fauci and physicians groups and this, this and that. And I just thought nursing is the largest segment of the healthcare workforce. You know, clearly Dr. Fauci wants to talk to us. Right. And so I was able to interview Dr. Fauci and ask him some some really pointed questions that we as nurses in particular wanted to know about about the pandemic, especially, you know, nurses, we're the heartbeat of healthcare, really guys. Hospitals wouldn't be able to stand if we weren't there 24 seven. Yes, we love our doctors, we love our therapists, we love all of our interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary team, but nurses, we are there 24 seven, really making sure that the show goes on. And so it was great to talk to him about COVID, because it's interesting. There were, it's almost like there were standards for patients, people, when they got sick, how long they isolated and what they should do. But then when it came to health healthcare providers, I don't know if you guys recall this, but it's like we had a, a truncated time. It's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And then, you know, especially as these vaccines started coming up and some of them had side effects and a majority of us are women in nursing. And so there were some questions about, you know, the vaccines and how how it affects women. Just I got to ask him some questions that I don't know that we as nurses really would have got to ask otherwise. So that was impactful. And I would say my other impactful interview was president of ANA. I got to interview him and also during the pandemic and talk about some really important issues when it came to staffing, COVID, how we're going to move forward, nurses leaving the bedside. And these were some really important hot topics that quite candidly, it's, it's been, these are still hot topics in healthcare. I would have to say those were two of my most favorite interviews thus far. And I don't know how, without the podcast, I don't know how I would have been able to actually have the opportunity to talk to either of those people. If everybody had the opportunity that Holly and I have to talk to you, <laughs> if we were to flip the tables for a second, if every nurse out there could say, you know, I really want to learn from nurse Alice. She's met so many incredible people. She's done so much as a nurse, um, not even just the media, but just as a nurse, the many impacts that you've had across so many different levels. If they were all to sit down and just ask you for advice what would be one direction you would want to point the nursing workforce or what would be some advice that you would give universally to nurses everywhere um, that they really need to know based on your perspective and all that you've done and seen? Oh gosh, that's a tough question. I know. That's a tough question because, you know, I, even though I just mentioned those were my two favorite interviews, I, I, it kind of just hit me all of a sudden. I'm like, Alice, you've gotten to talk to so many innovative people who are 
developing products and equipment that improve nursing workflow, improve healthcare, period. Like, golly, let me frame it this way. As a nurse, when you work in a hospital, you work in a unit, you work in an ER, you know, you're so accustomed to how things are done at your hospital, the way you do things there. And just realize that as I've been able to talk to all these people all around the world, my blinders totally fell off. And I realized that there are so many ways to accomplish a goal. For example, if you're trying to climb the clinical ladder and maybe you're a bedside nurse and you want to climb the clinical ladder so you can be in a position where you can make impact, realizing that there are more than there's more than one way to do it. You used to think that, well, I have to become a CN1, CN2, CN3, CN4, that I'd be kind of assistant nurse manager, manager, director. Like there's this kind of algorithm. What I did in the work that I did is I got leadership experience and got to work and learn the community outside of hospital walls with my work with American Heart Association, ARP. I had actually done more work with ARP and AHA that managers and directors never had the experience. Who's going to have the opportunity to oversee programs in 10 states impacting 65 million people? Let's see what directors done that. And so I just say that to say, don't feel discouraged if you're in a place and you feel like you're not growing, you're not getting the opportunities. Maybe you weren't cherry picked because we always feel like there's someone who's cherry picked to, you know, advance that there are so many ways that you can accomplish your goal. And all you have to do is kind of step back, step outside your unit, step out, maybe step outside your hospital and just really identify what's your passion and then kind of think about where is it that I want to be and then reverse engineer it because, you know, forward thinking again, I never planned on doing this. I kind of just stepped back and started doing different things. And now I look back, I'm like, huh. Although I'm a nurse and I work primarily in a hospital, I was able to look to things outside of the hospital to help me grow, to be a better practitioner and a happier practitioner too, guys. Definitely happier. I made lots of friends with stakeholders, which by the way, carries a lot of weight. When I, when I could say that I do the CEO of American Heart Association, that was a whole different conversation when I would come back to hospital leadership meetings. And it's kind of like, you got to know a director. You got to know someone in the C-suite. Well, I know the CEO of American Heart Association. He can call you real quick and tell you what I can do. So, you know, just step outside your unit, step outside hospital walls. Whatever you're passionate about, you can do it. Just know that it may not always happen in your unit and you have to be okay with that. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And, you know, for those that are looking on how to start and where to step out, I think following a very similar trajectory of just going and teaching the community, there's such a need for hypertension control. There's a need for bleeding control courses, CPR courses, community education, and preventative care is so needed and so underserved. And so to be able to do that, I think nurses everywhere have such a huge opportunity, but that's great advice. Thank you. I'm going to turn it over to Holly. She's got some, she's going to turn it in a more personal direction with some questions for you, but it's been really great chatting with you. Thank you again for that advice. Yes. So nurse Alice, I do have some rapid fire questions for you and you're just going to kind of share our, your favorites with us. So what would you be doing? And this honestly don't even know how you're going to answer this question because you've done a lot of different things, but if you could do just anything, what would be like a different role or job for you? Well, it would still be in healthcare. I have to say I'm super passionate about that. Something that I would be doing that I think I'm I'm actually going to be getting to do now is, you know, as much as I've been in front of the camera, now I'm going to have the opportunity to help others, you know, get in front of the camera in different ways, like um, 
you know, public image is so important when it comes to healthcare, not just because we want to look good in front of the camera, but it influences voters, influences policy, legislation and stuff that impact our our practice and our healthcare legislation. And so I would make sure that I'm helping to get more nurses out there in a positive light through film, media, radio. Well, awesome. I can't wait to see where that takes you. All right. I have three categories, just your favorites. So um, I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite book? And it can be what you're currently reading, something you recommend, or it can be like just your favorite book of all time. Oh, my favorite book of all times, Becoming by Michelle Obama. Um, So that was my favorite book. Favorite movie or a TV show? You know, favorite TV show. It's not on anymore. So maybe I'm going to do much, but Scandal. I loved, love, love Scandal. I love Carrie Washington. She's amazing, but I loved that show. It's not on right now. It's not but, on, but you can still find it. Like it's on yes. one of those streaming services. So Absolutely. get your streaming services out there, guys. Favorite musical artist. Again, it can be what you're listening to right now or just favorite of all time. You could listen to it at any moment. Favorite musical art, Usher. Who doesn't love Usher? I really want, I, you know, I didn't go to his Las Vegas residence yet. I don't know. I think there's still a chance for me to go, be, but he's going to be the halftime show at Super Bowl. So if I don't see him, then I'll see him at Super Bowl. I love Usher. I have seen him in concert and that Enjoy. man, he can move just like he can on his music videos. There is, there is, oh, wow. he, he is hands down a great show to see. Like Bruno Mars is excellent oh, as well. But Usher, I feel like Usher was like, he he led the way. And then Bruno Mars was like, oh, I could do that too. So yeah. yes, I 100% agree with you. All right, here we go. Comfort food or a meal you really enjoy. I love ice cream. I do. I'm an ice cream connoisseur. Um, got I always have ice cream in my refrigerator. So yeah. What's Comfort your flavor food. of choice? I mean, is there like one or it's just always... Strawberry shortcake and milk almond fudge. Those are the two. Like they're tied. There's there's a tie for those. That's fair. Do you consider ice cream a meal? Mm, can be. It's part of the dairy group. I think that provides mm-hmm. protein. So yeah, I'm gonna say yeah. Okay, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I will. I'll talk up on some milk almond fudge with you, and we'll have our dairy there you group. Go. There we go. Yes. So if we have dinner. We'll just have to specify whether or not it's just ice cream or if it's actually like a meal, but I'm honest, I'll be fine with either one. All right. What is a hobby or maybe what do you do for self-care to kind of like reset and just get yourself back to you? You know, I love gardening. I actually, it's something that I picked up during the top of the pandemic because right away, I'm like, oh my gosh, where are we going to get our fruits and vegetables? We got to start a garden. And I literally transferred my whole backyard almost into like a mini farm. I had every, every vegetable, fruit, like everything. I was everything short of getting chickens in my backyard because, and you know, interesting enough, because I live in LA, it was a hot spot. They were not allowing chickens to enter into Los Angeles County. Otherwise I'd have some chickens y'all, but I literally gardening, I think it's, you know, I get, you get outdoors, fresh air, the sun, you're having to touch the ground, feel the earth. And it's just like, I'm seeing all the the butterflies, hummingbirds, and like all of, even like the grasshoppers, like all of that, it kind of just reminds me, like humbles me that, you know what, we're not here by ourselves. We need to be more respectful of the land, of of the earth, take care of it. And when we take care of it, 
it gives us fruits and vegetables and things to nourish us. So it feels very earthy, feels natural. And I feel like at one with mother. Earth. So that kind of resets me. It does. I love that. This past summer, my husband and I decided we were going to raise some tomatoes. And let oh. me tell you, um, there is nothing quite like eating a tomato, like a BLT from your own garden. There's just, it's, it just hits differently. And I feel like for the most part, a tomato can be grown almost anywhere. So if you're if you're someone who's like, mm, I might want to start gardening, but I don't have any place to put a garden, get you a little bucket, get you a tomato plant. I promise. Nurse yeah. Alice swears by it. It'll help you reset. So thank you for all of that. We appreciate it. If our audience wants to follow you online, what social media platforms are you on? Where can they find you? I am mostly on Instagram, but I'm also on Facebook. I'm starting to TikTok, more more TikToking. So I would say those are probably my top three, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. And then I have a website, AskNurseAlice.com. So I'm very responsive with my messages. And it's me, guys. It's really, it's me. Okay. So just so you know, um, and I do get messages from nurses all over the place, actually all over the world, asking me questions about career, media, you know, even some health things, or they share, you know, things that are going on with them. For Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I've I posted something on all of the platforms and like I've gotten so many people who are actually nurses who've shared their stories about either their experience with breast cancer or how in the video it's about a patient, how they've had similar experiences. And it just really it reminds me of how human we all are. Like health is the great equalizer. And so whether you're APRN, whether you're a CNA, when when I talk about health, I get a lot of um, feedback from people all, you know, of all professional categories all over the world. And I just love it. Well, that's awesome. And, you know, I, I, I've had such a wonderful time talking with you. I think we should probably just plan for a whole series of podcast episodes with you, but no, it was, it was a lot of fun. I know you're very busy, but I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. I've learned a lot from you and I'm just really appreciative of your drive and your passion to educate the community. As I mentioned previously, I feel like it's such a need and there's so few people doing it. So the fact that you took it to a community level, a state level, a national level, and you're continuing to impact change, both for nurses and for individuals. Thank you so much for that. It's been really nice chatting with you and really nice getting to meet you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And just as much as I enjoy educating others, I got to keep myself self-educated too. So even though I have this longevity in, in nursing, I definitely always have to make sure I stay on my toes with the latest and greatest in medicine as well. And that's also in addition to going back to school, getting my specialty certifications and just reading, just staying current because stuff changes, guys. Like you go to school, you learn one thing. And then three years later, oh, we don't do that anymore because we found out it's harmful. So now we do this. So it's really also making sure I'm I'm staying educated too, but I'm enjoying it, Michael. So thank you so much. And Holly, thank you too for having me on here. It's been my pleasure um, to kind of share my stories. Wow. I so enjoyed just getting to know you a little bit better. And I want to take the time to thank Nurse Alice for joining us for this episode of BCN and Friends. Thank you, Alice, for sharing your experiences, your expertise, and very clearly articulating your passion for the nursing profession and for patients. Your advocacy and representation is inspiring and impactful. You can have a chance to meet Nurse Alice as she will be speaking at our fifth Learn Live conference in Chicago, Illinois, May 5th through the 7th, 2024. Check out bcn.org backslash learn live for more information. 
And to all of our listeners, we hope you will stay tuned as we continue with BCN and Friends and bring you new, meaningful content and perspectives. If you have a suggestion for an episode, please email us at bcn at bcn.org. I'm Holly Briggs, here with Michael Dexter, and on behalf of the entire BCN team, we thank and celebrate you for all that you're doing as professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. Until next time, we are out. We are out.